Hi, I'm Danielle, and you're listening to the Top Carby to Me podcast. I'm very happy to announce that I have my old Pilates mentor here joining us on the Top Carby to Me podcast. So, Danielle Mudry, welcome finally to the show. Thank you. I am excited to be here, and we should have done this before. Yes, long overdue. Welcome to the show. Um, how's your day going? My day is good. Uh, well, you know, it's a little dreary out, but you know, it's good. Um, yeah. How about you? It's pretty solid. As you can see in my little setup here, I've created darkness at all times. Uh, my cave. So we love that. Yeah. Which goes with your, your personality of dark and mysterious. A dark and mysterious place. Mm. Also, I have, uh, I'll tell everyone I have really sensitive eyes, but uh, it's realistically, I don't know, when I was young, I used to walk around in the dark a lot because I had this fear because uh, my parents worked a lot. So in my early teen years, I was home a lot. So if someone breaks into the house and it's dark, like they don't know the landscape. So I do. So I got used to walking around mm. in the dark. Uh, and as I have it, as I got older, I have really good night vision. I don't turn on any lights and it has nothing to do with my electric bill. It's just, I, I like to be that comfortable with my surroundings where I can just navigate in the dark. So that's kind of a, a long way of how I arrived at being Batman, basically. <laughs> yes, you are Batman. Dark and mysterious, as always. Yeah. So I see you got a, you finally got your Saturday off. I did. I finally got weekends off after a good oh, eight years of working Saturdays. Um, yeah. So that was a nice thing to finally get. You know, I was only the only one of like all the all original gangsters who was still working on the weekends. I, I mean, you know, they, they would come in as if they wanted to, but I was the only one who was actually like scheduled to work on a weekend. So it's been wonderful to have my weekends off finally. I haven't had that since free lifetime. Yeah. So my friend Danielle here, she is a incredibly experienced Pilates instructor. Some might call her a master um, of the craft. So today we're going to be talking about Pilates, why it's good for your health, why it's good for your fitness, why it's good for just your mind, body, and soul. Some of the benefits, we will talk about some, a little bit of myth bust that surrounds uh, the practice as well, and kind of go along anything else that comes up along the way. Uh, we'll, we'll dabble in as well. But uh, myself being a Pilates instructor, just much junior to uh, Danielle here, um, figured I, it'd be nice to have her on so she can share with us her expertise and probably teach us a thing or two about, about it. I'm here for all of it. Yes. So how long have you been a Pilates instructor? So I have been a Pilates instructor since 2003. That was when I got my first Pilates certification in, in the Pilates world. It's called contemporary, a contemporary certification, which um, unlike how you and I are trained, it's a little bit more a la carte, right? So exercises are structured, are, are not so structured. Um, they are a little bit more pick and choose. Uh, and so in 2003, I got my first Pilates certification and I was teaching for a while. And then this was when I was living in New Jersey. And then the club that I was working at uh, brought in a different kind of Pilates certification, which is called more classical work. Um, I got certified in that in 2009. 
And that's kind of where I've gone with Pilates. It's been more towards the classical side. Um, I moved to North Carolina in 2009 and I stepped away from Pilates for a while because the gym or the club that I was working at wasn't offering it. So I fell back on my personal trainer certification and was just doing personal training. Then when Lifetime came into Raleigh in 2015, I stepped back into the Pilates world because they had said they were having a really hard time finding Pilates instructors. And when they looked at my resume, they were like, oh, you're a Pilates instructor. I was like, well, I am, but I've kind of stepped away from it for a while. And they were like, well, dust off your books because that's where we need you. So I got back into the Pilates world and I dove in with, I jumped in with both feet and went through my whole entire certification again, just as a big refresher. And I've been doing it ever since. And I am now with 2023. So we're at like almost nine years um, doing classical doing classical work. So that's kind of my jump into Pilates. And, uh, you know, of course, there's a whole lot of more background, but of my, my fitness journey, but that's just my Pilates part. Awesome. So what were you doing before Pilates? So I started, well, you mean like pre-Pilates, like pre-fitness or pre-Pilates? Uh, I guess fitness. I, how did you get into fitness? Like what were you doing before fitness? And So I, when I first started working, I worked on the flip trading floor of Philadelphia Stock Exchange. And I worked there for a good 10 years and I wound up getting laid off and I was working out. And the person who was running our group fitness department at the club that I was working at or working out at in New Jersey said to me and changed my life, said to me, you know, you're you should be an instructor. So my first foray into fitness was actually as a spin instructor. So I was a spin instructor first. And her name is well, my mentor there and her name is Gina Berta, and she still mentors me to this day. So. I was a spinning instructor first, and then I became a personal trainer. And she said to me, we're going to get certified. One day she came to me, she said, we're going to get certified in Pilates. And I said, we are? And she said, yeah. Now, got to remember, I'm like 32 at this point. She said, Danielle, you're not going to be able to teach, teach spinning. You're not going to be able to do body pump. You're not going to be able to teach all this, this high impact stuff when you're in your 50s. And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean I'm not going to be able to teach this all in my 50s? Are you kidding me? Like, I'm bionic. I'm never going to get injured. I'm going to be doing this forever. And she was like, no, you're not. So we're going to get certified in Pilates, and we're going to teach Pilates, and we're going to do Pilates uh, basically until we're dead. And I was like, okay, whatever you say, Gina. So that's where we got our classical cert. And uh, <laughs> I have thanked her just about every day of my fitness life ever since, because she was absolutely right. As someone who's in their fifties, if I had to go in and, and do all of that crazy stuff now, I would be injured. I would be crippled. I would, there'd be no way I would be out of the fitness industry or I would be searching for something else. So Pilates is in that, in that realm. Pilates is awesome for um, being able to do and teach until you retire from it, which would be never. So, 
So you mentioned your mentor and she hits you with that. You're not going to be able to do this. Um, I understand it to the context that uh, the concept is saying like, Hey, this specific thing is going to be pretty hard. Uh, but was there a party that took that like as motivation? Like, haha, I'll show you just like a little bit as far as maybe some form of activity um, into your very youthful 35 year old current self. Um, did I take it? No, I didn't take it as a challenge or um, I, I didn't take it as a challenge. I really didn't. I kind of, you know, cause she was a few years older than I am. Well, she is a few years older than I, I mean, not by much. I mean, maybe six or seven years. And I, I kind of just looked at it like she's been in this business already. By this point, she's already been in this business for 10 years. I'm like in it for five minutes. So she obviously has seen more, knows more, you know, is, is more experienced in all of this. So I didn't look at it as she was trying to, as I didn't look at it as a challenge, you know, and as if you know me, I'm not really competitive, right? I'm not competitive with other people. I'm just not, I'm, I want us, I want everybody to do well. So, but I will tell you this, it's funny that we say that because at this point I still, I mean, of course I still do weight training. I still have personal training clients. I still do all that stuff. Although now it is, um, it is, looks much different. You know, my weight training looks much different than it did in its thirties, but I still do it. Yeah. So that had to be like a huge jump going from a trading environment on a stock exchange floor. And now you're going into fitness and uh, Pilates. And we'll talk a little bit more, you know, obviously about, about Pilates as we go, but there's such a contrast there. However, with me myself as well, I came from retail where I was always at sales teams. I was always selling stuff. It was a little high paced. How do you think that helped you as you got into fitness and kind of like started to go down this road? And like, what was, what was some of the biggest differences that you noticed about it? So I, I will tell you this, and this is something that I say all the time in relation to just working on the exchange floor, is that I, so, so see, I didn't go to college, right? So I don't have that experience of, of those four years being away from home and, you know, that higher education as far as college goes. So I started working right at 18. Being on the trading floor of the stock exchange skewed my perception of money. Because you, you'll see people gain and lose so much money in a day and they have, you know, the people that work there or have worked there for a while have such a skewed perception of, you know, $500 to, you know, the average person is a decent amount of money. I mean, that wasn't even like they would spend that on lunch and not think anything of it. I mean, I've watched, I watched people lose $600,000 in a day and go home and not worry about it and then come back in the next day and make it all back. So it's, it skewed my perception of money from a very young age um, to where I had to actually, when I got out into the, like the real world, as I like to call it, I had to like reevaluate money and it's, it's worth. So that was kind of uh, one of the things that I've learned. Um, it, it, it taught me to be on my feet all day because when you work on the trading floor, you don't sit down and then remember, got to remember, this is in, this is like 1987 through like 1999. So, uh, it, it taught me to be on my feet all day. It taught me to keep moving. Um, it, you know, it taught me how to deal with very different personalities. 
um, it taught me it, that's how it helped me move, like kind of go into fitness. Um, you know, maybe a little bit physically definitely helped me deal with, um, you know, different personalities and stuff like that and how to almost, uh, not lose myself in it, but be a little bit of a chameleon and try to figure out what people need, you know, physically and mentally, you know, yeah. cause that's kind of what fitness is, right? You have to figure out what they need physically and give them, give them that, but also figure out what do they need, need a little bit mentally? Cause you know, sometimes you can become, as you know, sometimes you can become a little bit of a therapist and you got to give a, you got to give people 80% of what they need and 20% of what they want. And 20% sometimes people is listening. Yeah, it is funny that uh, you, so you mentioned the the desensitization. Is that a word? Or well, it is now. It is now. I just made it up. Added to the added to the dictionary of money, um, because when you look at the fitness world, so like I've I've dealt with this myself also. So for two reasons: one, I worked in retail forever. I was selling you know high expense uh, expensive appliances, you know, furnishing people's homes. Yeah. I've had I remember. You know, yeah, I've had, I've had monster sales for, you know, doctors, lawyers, very successful people. Um, so it kind of takes, it kind of desensitized me to it. Same thing with gambling. Um, so I, I, it's no secret. I love to gamble. It's one of the things I enjoy. Uh, I'm much, I'm pretty responsible to it. Um, so the money swings don't really, I, they just don't register to me as like a normal people. When I got into fitness and you end up seeing the people who are successful in their lives and they need, you know, help and services, you don't as you don't have the the fear of offering something because you think it's expensive. Um, right. Which in turn, I think looking at how we create trainers and fitness professionals, that's probably the biggest mistake that they have in the industry where there is no sales training. Uh, it's kind of like, right. This is your quads. This is this exercise. And they just throw you in the fire and you're like selling mortgages and it's like, oh my God. So, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the, th the, the therapist part is hilarious. Um, you very, we very much do end up being the therapist um, for our people. I think one, one of the things I've talked about this on the podcast before. So, obviously, me and Danielle used to work together. Uh, so we were together like 50 hours a week, it seems, um, most times, a lot. um, going through and having that many people just emotionally dump on you. Um, and some, sometimes it's emotional, but sometimes it's, you know, just life dump or, you know, I need to vent like you're the person that they vent to because, you know, you're listening and, you know, guiding them through their thing. It becomes so taxing sometimes. Um, and as far as doing that, so it's, it's one of the things that I've appreciated about kind of getting away from having a massive schedule. Um, I have a little bit more bandwidth. There's a little bit more brain, brain power to me um, that kind of comes through. Uh, but it's very, very funny that you do that. You do that Cause it is something that is like a known thing. Like even I, I've had clients that have gone to their therapist and their therapist are like, wow, this dude sounds like a therapist. Like, you know, and it's just funny that you touch on that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, you definitely do become almost like a therapist. And, you know, I think, you know, the difference between, you know, having a, having a, you know, a male trainer and a female trainer are, you know, we're definitely, we're different emotionally, right? It's not, one's not better or worse. It's just, we're different emotionally. So women I find are a little bit more empathetic um, because we are, you know, and because we are emotional. And so we tend to 
maybe go a little bit more of the sympathize, empathize route, whereas I think men go a little bit more of the logical, you know, um, straightforward route. And <clears throat> it makes for just for, you know, different personalities. But you do, you take on that energy from your people, you know, during the day. And, you know, when you have a day where you're training eight hours in a row or nine hours in a row and you don't give yourself a break or you only have one hour, but, you know, by the time you walk out the door and you're driving home, like, I don't even turn on the radio. I don't even, I don't want to mm -hmm. hear any speak. I don't want to hear any speak. I don't want to hear any voice. I don't even, especially my own, especially my own. And when I get home, like, you know, he, my husband can read me when I get in the door, like he'll, he can, he'll, he takes a look at me and he's like, we're either, we either want to be quiet or what, are, how are we feel today? So, you know, but that you definitely, you definitely can take off, take on people's energy and uh, not that it's a bad thing, you know, because you care about your people and you want them to be good mentally and physically, but it, it you know, you have to take care of yourself too. So, and I totally understand that with you, just knowing you, you're very, um, you, you'll, you'll take on people's stuff and, you know, you're, you think you, you have only so much of this. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been known to, to don a cape a time or two and, uh, Yes, I can yeah. save you. It's like, it's like one of those things. It's yes, like, to go, I can fix you. Like, yes, please. <laughs> um, yes. That's, so, when we look at Pilates, this form as a modality uh, to get from point A to point B. Point A being where you are. Point B being where you want to be. Um, at this point in our industry, there's like seven billion different ways that you can kind of go. Uh, a few of them stand out and are have made it into mainstream. Um, obviously, fitness and exercise, when you think of that, everyone's first thought is, oh, go pick up a weight, something heavy, haha, or strangely, it's running. Pilates, it seems, is one of the most effective ways for the majority of folks in existence when they talk about, because um, a, a good way of putting it, and Johan said it best on our episode, people they go to, they seek a professional in the term forms of exercise to either not die or they want to look good naked. Mm. <laughs> Sounds just like him. Yeah. Yeah. And so for the folks that don't want to die, a lot of times when they come into us, what they're dealing with chronic pain, they've got back pain, they've got knee pain, hip pain. They just don't feel mm -hmm. right. They're not energized. Um, so when you look at Pilates, I think that flies under the radar um, as far as something that can get you uh, those benefits. So when you look at Pilates, you'll obviously see you have like club Pilates, group Pilates, Pilates mm -hmm. classes, all these different things. Then you have regular Pilates, reformer Pilates. So uh, in terms of what we'll be talking about today, it's probably going to be the majority of it being, you know, reformer and comprehensive Pilates, like as you were explaining. But what is the best description that you can say for Pilates, like what it actually is? So I, if I had to just put it in a sentence, you know, Pilates is... Pilates is core work. It is core work. Like when people come in and, and I give them a, a complimentary session, I always say, you know, disclaimer, you know, this is not weight training. Even though you're working on equipment, this is not weight training. This is core work. And every core exercise you ever see being done in any modality or form is some version of Pilates. We're doing it somehow, some way, and nobody's reinventing the wheel. OK, 
Okay, so, and I know I sound like a Pilates snob, which I kind of am, so I'll own that. So, um, but that's how I kind of describe Pilates to a person who walks in and says, you know, I want to try this because, you know, my sister's, you know, my sister's friend does it, or my aunt does it, or this person does it, and they rave about it, and they say how great it is, and how how good they feel, and I, I, I try to break it down into the very simplest things, but I always tell people that the best way to understand it is to actually do it because you're, you're, there's no way to really put it into words because there's so many layers to it. There's so many layers of Pilates. If I had to break it down to the very basics, we're moving your spine. We're flexing it. We're extending it. We're, we're laterally flexing it and we're rotating it. And then the muscles around it get stretched and toned. So when you see people who are really, who are older and they're hunched over and they're shuffling, it's because their spine's not flexible, you know, and also it has a lot to do with the foot and the ankle and all that stuff with the shuffle. But most of the, most of the time it is because their spine is inflexible. So in Pilates, we're really moving your spine around and then the muscles are kind of the icing on the cake and they get to get toned because they get to get stretched, they get lengthened, but they also get, um, they also uh, and then not that they get tightened, but they get stronger. They get stronger. Oh. And then, and Pilates moves you in the way that you should move in life. It moves you. So you're not getting injured because most of the time, and you know, this, when people come in and they have back pain or they're injured, you know, they've moved in a, in a, they've moved in a different way or they haven't moved. They don't move enough. Yeah. One of my views on fitness and when we look at movement and when you just, so f for me, when I walk out into the world and I go to the grocery store, um, I'm giving some, everyone a visual assessment of how they move. And a lot of times I'll, I'll walk by someone and I'm like, oh, wow, you move like shit. Right. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Or it's like, oh, wow, you must have injured your leg or, you know, something's going on in your hip. Um, when you talk about spinal mobility, um, a good way to, to look at it is if you look at a seven-year-old what they do, how they move around, how they interact with space around them. And you look at a 40 year old, your typical 40 year old, um, not necessarily in the greatest shape, just the average, you know, human, there's so much difference in how they move. Uh, and a lot of, you can see the differences in their posture and like a seven year old, you can nearly bend them in half and they're not going to break. Most 40 year olds, you bend them too much the wrong way. They're gonna be like, Oh, my back, or it's just not going to go very far. So um, a lot of it too. And when you look at as far as age and stuff like that, a lot of people are like, well, hey, I'm 35 now or I'm 40 or I'm 50 or 60. And like, I feel like I'm old. And then you look at see people that you have like, oh, I feel great at those ages. And a lot of it has to do with how well their spine actually moves because it influences everything else around it because that's like the center of your body. So everything that moves around is interacting with that aspect of your, of your, of your frame. Yes, agreed. So, you know, Joseph Pilates used to say, you're only as young as your spine. Yeah. So I mean, Joseph that's a famous quote. Yeah. It, which, which is very true. So Joseph Pilates invented, like when was Pilates invented? So Joseph Pilates, uh, kind of formed his method, um, in like the early 1900s, he kind of, kind of brought it all together. So it is a series of exercises that's done in a certain order, right? It's flexion, extension of the spine, it's rotation, it's lateral movement of the spine, and it's done in a certain order, and it's strength, and it's, and it's all for your core, right? So he invented it early in the 1900s. 
And he also in, invented and patented 26 pieces of apparatus. And that's what they're called, apparatus. Um, he was born in the late 1800s. He was in World War I. He was captured. He was a nurse. And he, when he was incarcerated, he, start to, he started to form his, uh, his method. And it wasn't called Pilates until he actually died. It was called controlology because it gave you, it was meant to have you get control over your body. So he used to rehabilitate soldiers in World War I that had gotten injured. And when, when they, what they were seeing was not only were they rehabilitating and, be, and stronger than when they went in, they also were not getting sick as far as like, cause that was really when the Spanish flu took out like a third of the world's population. So, and we all know that your immune system is in your, is in your gut, right? So it, he found that, or they found that people who had worked with him were not getting sick. And if they were, they were getting better. They weren't dying. So that's when they kind of started realizing that that's where your immune system originates. Interesting, right? That's awesome. So and do then, you, all right. Were you sorry to cut you off? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to continue on with his history, but oh, before we get into that, so with him being a nurse, do you think that has something to do with the overall look and feel of a Pilates studio, where some of it kind of looks like a like a medical hospital bed or some kind of like apparatus that like is out of a, of a torture place, kind of? That's actually exactly right. And you know, Pilates reformers. To, uh, classical Pilates reformers are the are the dimensions maybe a little bit they they probably have grown a little bit inches in inches in since then because people are bigger now um, they are the exact dimensions of a hospital bed because that's what he used that's when that was the only thing that he used he would attach springs over the hospital beds and he would really rehabilitate them as they laid there so that's why it, that's why a reformer looks like a bed. Um, but, you know, and obviously he made adjustments to it and, you know, patented his reformer and called it a reformer because it, it reforms your body. It reforms you. Yeah, I I find it and obviously like I went through uh, the process of becoming a Pilates instructor. Um, and when you see like old clips, it's wild to see. And they're like wild. And of course, just me being me my brain instantly jumps to if anyone has time YouTube go to Joseph Pilates doing, you know, his stuff. Um, it's very interesting. I don't think it would survive in that method today, obviously, because, Oh, uh, he's, te he's teaching in his tidy whities his, his, his patients <laughs> yeah. are, are just completely topless and like they're going through the motions and like, he's grabbing their ponytail and just like yanking them through and you can see the different shapes that they're taking. Um, and it's just, it, obviously it's probably a good thing that, you know, it's evolved, um, to a level of sophistication that's rarely found in other modalities. Uh, but it's, it's, it's very entertaining to, to go back and see like the way that it was initially done. Um, yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. You know, there's no way that you could train somebody like that these days. I mean, he's on there, he's in there pushing down on their backs and, you know, everything's really fast and it's, it's, it, it would be crazy. I mean, you would break somebody today. So, you know, it's, it's more about now it's more about being auditory and being able to express what you want verbally. Um, there are some, there are times when you really need to touch people and put them in the correct positions to get the exercise, to get the, the exercise to uh, execute correctly. But it is really, 
it really should be based on auditory being audit auditory and getting your client into the position you want through words you know and and some people don't learn like that i find that men tend to be more auditory women are more visual they need to see things so so there's that too you know the one thing i do love about pilates is this is you know it since it is supposed to be auditory you know I always tell new instructors, you know, what happens if you're injured and you actually can't show this? How are you going to get your person into that position and give have them execute what you're looking for if you can't say it? So work on your verbal stuff before you get your hands in there and start and start manipulating people. Um, that was the biggest adjustment for me. Um, so anyone who's ever trained with me or seen me train, I don't talk much. Um, I'll set, I'll explain the exercise. I set it up after that. It's, I don't speak while you're, while you're working. I either say good, no, fix this. And I, but I don't cue within the exercise other than, all right, let's get like up, down, you know, whatever, or whatever, whatever we're doing. So learning that, um, one of the things that kind of was an adjustment for me, a huge adjustment, uh, was just speaking so much. Um, cause there's almost like a, it's almost like a guided, type thing. And I'm just like, I just like, I want to, I just want to demonstrate it for you. Hey, do what I'm doing. And, you know, in the training world, that that's not too bad. Uh, usually works out pretty well, but when you go into a studio, like being able to use that inflection, um, and have that cadence and the rhythm to it, uh, was definitely a, a challenge I found, uh, for myself. Um, and even do it going through the motion. So you touched on, you know, men being a little, a, a little bit more auditory. Like sometimes I'd it's like, I'm going through there and I'm trying to muscle through things as opposed to how you're saying, you know, it's core work. You want to start everything uh, from the center and kind of work out. So um, I was not ready for the choreography of it, to say the least. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely, it's almost like a choreographed dance, right? So, yeah. and at, you'll find that, and you, well, you would find as the, the more advanced you get in Pilates as a teacher and as a student, the less you should have to speak. You know, if you, as a teacher, you know, the more advanced that, you know, you get your students, the less direction you should really need to give them because you really should just f finesse the exercises because they should know them at that point. So when you're going through a Pilates repertoire, right, you teach them, you teach your students the repertoire and, and repetition is where they learn, right? And as you get your student more advanced, the less you should need to cue them and the more you're just looking to fine tune what they're doing. So at the beginner level, you know, there's a lot more speaking. As you get more advanced, there's a lot less and it only becomes when it really need, when it's really necessary because you want people to move and you can't rapid fire, you know, 10, 10 cues at them and expect them to, and people freeze. You, they just freeze and you got to let people move and correct as you go. Yeah. So when you look at Pilates, the benefits of it, um, which we've touched on, um, if we get super specific, right? Like, so who's, what segments of the population are Pilates good for? So as there's a saying that like Pilates is for everybody, but it's not for everybody, right? Everybody really should be doing it. And everybody can benefit from it. So 
it also it, it also comes down to who should do Pilates. It also comes down to your goal, right? What are you trying to do? People walk into the Pilates studio and they say, you know, my goal is weight loss. And I go, well, great. This that's that's not this. I mean, if you're going from somebody who's completely sedentary to somebody who's moving, who just is going to start moving, yeah, you'll lose some weight. But if weight loss is your goal, you know, you need to, you really need to be on the fitness floor and Pilates should be a alternate day. It should be like an alternate modality for you, either like a recovery workout or something that is like a thank you to your body after, after a week of doing, you know, everything else that you're doing physically, uh, it's great for athletes, you know, with athletes, when they come in to the studio, they, they, they progress, but athletes progress kind of minimally because they're already in great shape, right? So it, it can enhance whatever they're doing as far as sports, but, you know, they're pretty much, like I said, they're pretty much in great shape as it is. So they'll see a little bit of, of advancement in, in their sport. They'll probably realize that they get injured less. Um, that they are, and that they are a little bit more, uh, they recover a little quicker and they're a little bit more flexible. If you're now, if you're somebody who is, who is sedentary and you're coming into Pilates, that's the people who really gain the most because they will automatically see how much more flexible they get probably in a short, in a short period of time, they will see that they move better, that they sleep better that they are more balanced, more controlled, a little bit, like I said, a little bit more flexible. They stand a little straighter. Um, all of these, all of these great things that Pilates does um, will kind of come to fruition. And if you're a good Pilates instructor with, with some of your clients, you're giving them homework, things to do when they're not with you that enhance what they do when they come back to see you. I often, it's, it's good that you brought on, we'll, we'll, we'll dive deeper into that, but on the topic of what you just talked about, athletes, I always think uh, it's super interesting when you look at, when you're watching an athlete perform and how they move and how they interact and you hear what they do to stay in shape, you don't always hear that it's Pilates, right? So looking at just, I just, you know, doing some research here on the topic itself, right? Athletes and Pilates looked up who are 10 athletes that do Pilates and I'll name them off. Uh, you've got LeBron James. For those of you that don't know, he's is the be best basketball player of all time. I don't want to hear any other, any other choices. Uh, if you've, if you're familiar with him, he's in year 21. He really hasn't been injured. Like he went like 17 years before having like a significant injury. Mm -hmm. uh, you got, you got my favorite athlete of all time, Kobe Bryant. Right, who played also had a 20 year career, five championships. You've got Tiger Woods. We know all his story. And until late in his life, he his back really fell apart. Uh, Andy Murray, Kerry Walsh Jennings, who's an Olympic gold medalist. You have Antonio Brown, who, you know, loaded with CTE, however, uh, incredible shape, yeah. incredibly gifted athlete. Um, he has done Pilates. You have Cristiano Ronaldo probably the most in shape person on the planet, also the most popular person on the planet uh, doing Pilates. And he actually does more from what I was reading, does a little bit more Pilates than he does anything else uh, outside of like, you know, sports specific kind of training. Uh, Serena Williams, Misty May trainer, Tom Brady, 
Uh, famously, he has his TB12 method, which if you actually, it's how you were saying, looking at, you know, core exercise, you can see elements of Pilates. If you look at his TB12 method, a lot of it um, is Pilates based, uh, which is really interesting. If you're not seeing, you know, all this weight, all this load um, going through, you're seeing flexibility work, core work, stability work. Um, and so it's one of those things where it's like, you say, like, I asked you that question kind of like leading into like Pilates is good for everyone. Um, you see these people and every single person on this list is a master of their craft, right? They're, they have yeah. reached the pinnacle in each of their sports. Um, and you see it as like, oh, I want to be a great football player. I got to hit the gym. You know, I got to do this, got to do that. So uh, for those of you out there, right, Pilates, definitely something that can help you, uh, especially when if you're someone who's athletic and the the big thing, if you watch a sporting event and you see, oh, I sprained my ankle, I've got a groin problem, I've got a hamstring problem and things like that. A lot of times the injury happens when they're yielding to gravity, right? So on deceleration and things like that. So when you're, how high can I jump? How heavy can I push stuff? You're in your concentric phase, right? You're pushing, you're overcoming gravity. Uh, but the deceleration part is where all the action happens. And that's where a lot of your stabilizers come in, which makes Pilates so important. Exactly, because Pilates works in the eccentric. Yeah. The majority of the work is in the eccentric phase. Uh, you know, and as far as athletes go, you know, when, when people come in and they're, you know, they're like, well, you know, why should I do this in, as opposed to weight training? And I go, well, no, you shouldn't. I mean, you should be doing both things. But I said, Pilates, weight training will make you Arnold Schwarzenegger. Pilates will make you Bruce Lee. So who do you want to be? I mean, wouldn't it be nice to be a mixture of both of them? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I personally, I think now where I'm at and kind of like the, the journey that I've been on fitness related in the past couple of years, I'd probably prefer to be Bruce Lee than Arnold, to be honest with you. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, that's how, I mean, wouldn't you rather move fast, move fast and quickly and be stabilized and balanced? I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger is amazing. And, but wouldn't you rather be like a little bit of both? So, because Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger famously, famously did Pilates. So, so yes, he did. So it's kind of good for everyone, but when we get like super specific, right? So if I'm someone who just had a baby and I give birth to my baby, <laughs> yes, why might Pilates be good for me? So... That's a great question. Pilates will flatten your belly, right? Because you are working your deep core muscles, right? Your transverse abdominals. It teaches you better breathing, right? Which is the only, and you know, the only way that gets your transverse abdominals is by deep breathing, right? Deep diaphragmatic breathing. Um, it also too will get you a little bit more stable. You know, you're, you've just, your body has just been carrying around all of this weight for a long time. You're a little bit unstable. Um, it, 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 well, you know, you're hyper, you get hypermobile when you're flex, when you're pregnant. So, you know, the flexibility part isn't really the, the part that we want to work on as pre like post postpartum, post, post pregnancy, you want to work on more of the stabilization stuff. Also too, it just, you know, it just gives you better control. And that's really what I think you lose. And, you know, as someone who has not had a child, you know, I, I can only imagine that you're, you're a little bit unstable and you probably don't feel that great after pregnancy. That's just, 
you know, and that's probably somebody's, that's probably somebody's personal. Some people I'm sure feel great. Some people don't. Yeah. And it, it also, you, um, what's the, what is the name of the, what's it called? Um, when you have a baby, obviously. And so you, you, and, and you have a C-section? Uh, well, yes, but not quite where I'm going. Um, oh, okay, you, sorry. Like, so obviously when, when you have a, a child grow inside of you, your body's got to make room. So one of the things it does is it deconstructs your abdomen a little bit. Right, uh, right. right now, now the hope for all of us out there is after, you know, you're done with that process, that comes back together naturally, but we live on earth uh, and earth doesn't quite work that way. So like, wh what's that called when it doesn't come back? You're talking about diastasis? Yeah. Diastasis. Yeah. So that's when your abdomen actually, actually splits. Right. And that's usually more common with C-sections than it is with vaginal birth. But that does occur. So what they when they when they actually give you a, when you actually have a C-section and they actually cut those muscles, you know, Pilates naturally, naturally brings those muscles back together, you know, from deep breathing, from deep core work, you know, you know, from just and there's there's no, you know, it just naturally does that. I mean, yeah, you can you can write a post-pregnancy specific plan, but Pilates exercises in general just bring those just should bring those muscles back together. So you know, and as far as and we haven't gone there yet, but I'm sure we're going to go into pre-pregnancy. Yeah. Um, pre-pregnancy, -pre you know, it's balance, it's pelvic floor work. It's diaphragmatic, diaphragmatic breathing. It, it, it promotes better breathing. You know, you, now you're putting all this weight on and your body is unstable. You know, your joints are hypermobile. So you want to make sure that you're, you're really steady and really balanced, you know, as you, as your body gets bigger and goes through these changes. So, uh, so, and, and as our lovely, lovely friend Claire uh, has said, mentioned um, when she did Pilates with me, when she was pregnant, you know, she really, I think it made her much more aware of balance and stability. So, um, so you touched on a, a key point in that one, um, pelvic floor. Mm. It's probably, if you were to scan material out there, Instagram, uh, any kind of research, it's probably one of the less talked about things affecting people. When uh, so obviously your pelvic floor is about where you guessed it. It's the floor of your pelvis, so that can be influenced by what's the what the contents are like inside of your torso. Right. So right, it obviously has to move a little bit because if you have a, a, an increase in mass in your center, it's got to adjust so that way you don't topple over. Um, and the the hope again is one of those things where it comes back, and you see a lot online um, people doing weight training. And they're sitting, uh, they never really seem to explain this part, which kind of gets on my nerves. Some people do. It depends, you know, what their proficiency level is. When you do like a box sit squat where you sit down and then you stand uh -huh. up, right? Yeah. Your pelvic floor, to be able to sit down, your pelvic floor has to release. To be able to stand up, it has to contract again to get you to stand up. Um, so some people obviously have trouble in that motion and they'll compensate and that their squat might look a little crazy. Um, when you look in Pilates, what's happening in Pilates that's helping form that? or create that a good pelvic floor. So that way you can continue on with your life. So <laughs> you mean exercise wise? So, you know, uh, one of the basic concepts of Pilates is, you know, so core, so we, so we, as far as core, probably, I think we should break that down, right? So core is everything from your serratus, anterior, posterior, 
right? Your internal, external obliques, your transverse abdominals, and your pelvic floor, your, your glutes, and your inner thighs. Now, when I say glutes, I'm talking about your ischial tuberosity or your sitting bones, right? That's the kind of lay term for, you know, um, for your ischial tuberosity, which are the sitting bones that are in your butt, right? So if you were going to sit down and pull your, pull your sitting bones towards each other, that it is all about all your core work, right? So that's your core working in tandem. If you can get all of that stuff now, you know, we could go, we could dive down the deep hole of like, every single core muscle, but there's a lot of them in there. So we'll just stick to the, we'll just stick to the, to the basics. So, um, so your pelvic floor, right. As you're pulling your inner thighs and your ischial tuberosity together, you know, and your and your, as you engage with your belly button, like actually pulling your belly button up, that's kind of how you want to think of, of engaging your abdominals, you know, your pelvic floor should naturally engage right there. And I hate to, I hate to go, to, it's not doing it. You're not doing a Kegel. That's not what it is. Um, <laughs> that's not what it is. You know, you're it, that, I mean, that is a thing, but that's not what we're talking about in Pilates when we're talking about engaging your pelvic floor. Um, we want to strengthen, you know, down there, we want to strengthen the muscles that are pushing. So as you're, as you're, as you're exhaling and drawing your belly button up, your pelvic floor should naturally engage right there. Awesome. Yes. And that's very important because I was, if you or someone, if you or a loved one you know is experiencing a weak pelvic floor, trust me, <laughs> yeah. you know what's going. You 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 know what what's the, some of the bad parts about that are, um, aside outside of like exercise and fitness. Um, so when you go through and look at um, some of the Pilates myths, yeah, right. I think probably the most common one is uh, Pilates is for women. Okay, yeah. When we see a lot of that, we hear a lot of that. Um, you know, the, and again, just like I said in the beginning, you know, the best way to understand Pilates and realize how hard it really is, is to come and do it, right? So, you know, and you mentioned all those professional athletes that are doing it. And we have a lot of men that actually come into the studio. And I think men are getting a little bit, the, the, that Pilates myth is getting a little bit debunked, you know, as time goes on, you know, and to any man who says, I, I know, I, I thought this was a late, a woman's workout, I, I would rebute that by saying it was invented by a man for men. So, and then as of, and as we go back to Joseph Pilates history, you know, he used to train and rehabilitate soldiers. He also used to train men for the cavalry. So he, there are exercises there specifically for men, things called horseback because men were riding on horseback at that time. So yeah. it is not a, it is not a, it got, I think it kind of got that, that reputation when Joseph Pilates started training dancers, he started training ballet dancers and he would rehabilitate them when they were injured. And I think it got, kind of got, uh, it kind of got, um, it got rerouted to being a woman's workout where men actually have the harder time doing Pilates because they're usually such big weight trainers and weight trainers, real heavy weight trainers are, as you know, are the ones who struggle the most. Yeah. To, to, to give some context from my, from context from my end, uh, I've done a lot of hard shit mostly because I enjoy doing hard shit. Right. So I've yeah. run, I've run 48 miles in 48 hours. I've, you know, deadlifted over 400 pounds, squatted over 300, almost at a 300 pound bench. Um, there's a foot injury there. Why those numbers are so close. So don't judge me. Um, 
I've done Spartan races. I've run 18 miles in one shot before. None of that stuff is as hard as like some of the, like the more advanced stuff that we've done in the Pilates studio. And I'm like dying. And this is like, this is like the hardest thing I've ever fucking done. Like it is, it is incredibly challenging. Mm -hmm. If it's done right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you'll start shaking and stuff like that. And it's just like, Oh my God, like what is happening? And like, you'll think, and like someone like me, like, I just like, like a lot of times like to power through stuff. And that was something that I could not do in Pilates. Um, so I, I found it to be one of the most challenging things. Um, that you can do. Yeah. And that's why, cause, cause Pilates movements are small, right? Weight training, running, you know, all of the other modalities usually of exercise, you know, are usually pretty big movements. They're not small, detailed, precise things. And that's what Pilates is. It's, it, you know, it, look at it like from almost like a surgical standpoint, right? You see surgeons when they're doing like you know, they're really concentrating and they're really, you know, they're, they're closing or they're, or they're slicing up something or they're closing something. They're sweating, there's focused. And it, the, the movements are so small and detailed that that's where, you know, it, it, it just makes you sweat. So that's what, that's what I equate Pilates to. It's just, it's small, detailed, precise things where you don't get to move really big a lot. Um, the small movements are harder. And, you know, that's, but that incorporate that encourages and incorporates and promotes precision, right? Control, you know, and, and that's what you want to have, especially as you get older, you know, balance and control are huge because we lose them as we age. So, you know, we have a, my demographic, the demographic in Pilates, there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of older, it's an older demographic, you know, also too, it's great on your joints, right? You're not lifting heavy weights. You're not, you know, you don't have to, th- you know, throw big weights around to really get fit. And it's, n- it's kinder, it's gentler, it's, there's no inflammation. You don't have to wait a day before you do it again. You know, there's no muscle breakdown to repair. You know, Pilates is, is a modality that can be done every single day. You know, do, do I think everybody should do it every single day? If that's all you're doing, then yeah, I think you should do it every day. But I think that you need to incorporate that. You need to have a well-rounded program, right? You should be doing some type of cardiovascular. You should be doing some type of weight training. You should be doing some kind of flexibility modality stuff. So, um, but I, I, you know, and as much as I love Pilates, it's not my total, it's not my one form of exercise. I mean, I do that probably more than I do anything else, but it's not the only thing I do. For sure. Another big one. You hear this very often. I alluded to this at the beginning. Uh, Pilates is just like yoga. Okay. Yeah. Well, I hear that a lot too. So the difference between Pilates and yoga, and there are many things, is, you know, there's no spirituality in Pilates, right? So we're not, you're not meditating at the end of class. You know, there's no, uh, there's, you know, there's no reflecting there. You know, that's, that's one of the big things. Um. I, I tend to think that yoga focuses a little bit more on your flexibility, where in Pilates, flexibility is kind of incorporated into the workout. It's not what we focus on, but it's an aspect, right? So you will get more flexible in Pilates, just like in yoga, you will get some core strength. But as somebody who has done both Pilates and yoga and was a yoga instructor and did yoga before I started doing Pilates, when I started to do Pilates, I started doing yoga differently. 
because it made me much more aware of my of me in space and what I where I was working from where I wasn't I didn't actually learn that in yoga so there there are things that are great about both modalities Joseph Pilates did yoga there's a lot of Pilates that is based on it but the difference is significant um and and that's that tends to be my biggest thing my two biggest things is that there's no really no spiritualities we're not meditating and you know there's uh there there's there is a little bit more in my eyes strength of a strength aspect in uh, and obviously you're using equipment in pilates and not all pilates you know there is mat pilates there's pilates that is done on a mat like yoga but um apparatus pilates is 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 much different right it's much different than yoga you're obviously using equipment yeah so what's so when you look at um another one that is also uh you just touched on matt uh, a big, big perception if you look in a lot of gyms you'll see them offering some form in the group fitness offering they've got like some form of mat and it's like well pilates mm-hmm. is too hard i'm gonna go hit the mats in in the class like talk to me a little bit about that so mat work is actually the hardest thing you do, right? Mat work is, is you have to do every, all the exercises without any assistance, right? On the reformer or, you know, our, or, your, or the chair or the tower or the Cadillac, you have assistance and resistance from the springs. In mat work, you're doing all of the work. There are, there is no feedback. There is no resistance. There is nothing helping you to get into those exercises. So the, the, the uh, a myth is that you work to you, the mat comes first and then you get to the equipment. It's really the other way around. The mat work is all there to make your, the, I'm sorry, the, I'm sorry, the reformer and all of the other pieces of apparatus are all there to make your mat work better. The mat is the ideal. The mat is what you're really working for. So that's, and when you see it get offered in group fitness, that's all great. Pilates is Pilates is Pilates. You know, classical work is a little bit harder than something that's like a, maybe a Pilates fusion class, or maybe a, like a Pio class, like a Pilates slash yoga class. The classical work is, is in the repertoire is, um, in my opinion, is much harder than anything like that so uh and you know as far as you know pilates done on equipment you know it is it it is a lot of time and a lot of training to be a good pilates instructor so you know if anybody tells you that they're a pilates instructor like they took a weekend course and they're a pilates instructor they're probably not a good pilates instructor (laughs) so (laughs) you know and i can say that with 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 fairly a good amount of certainty. So as somebody who's been in this business for a long time and has spent thousands of dollars and thousands of hours perfecting my craft. So it's, and it's a good thing you brought up, brought that up. So I can attest to what you just said, because I did Pilates training four weekends, like nine hours a day. Um, and I was, had, had to memorize the, you know, the process, the order. And then I started doing Pilates and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, this, the, it, it's a lot. So it, I, I always, I like to view things that people do, um, just like you said, like a craft. And I think Pilates is one of those things that's right up there with like, if I were to become a master blacksmith, right? How many, how many swords do I have to make? 
how many hours do I spend doing it? And can, can I get to 10,000 hours of doing this thing? And I, I'd wager you're well over 10,000 hours deep in Pilates. Um, but like that mastery that goes through it and that evolution of, of the movement science um, is just ridiculously impressive from like an instructing standpoint. And also if you're someone who's been doing Pilates lifelong, uh, you're, it's almost like, yes, you're mastering the craft of Pilates, but like subliminally mastering the movement of your body mm -hmm. um, over that much time. So it becomes super, super, super important, especially in a, in a field like that, right? I tend to, I tend to, 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 I tend to equate Pilates and just from a very, just from that standpoint as I, Pilates is practice, right? So you're never not learning. You've, you've never mastered, like mastered it. You've doing it or teaching it. You've never mastered it. You're, you're continually learning like karate, right? It's like a martial art. You go to the, you go to whatever studio you're going to, to practice. You're always trying to get better. There's always more to learn. There's always a way to do it differently. You know, there's no one, one way is not the right way. There's always variations of things. You know, um, I like to say whether you're doing classical Pilates or you're doing contemporary Pilates, you know, Pilates is Pilates. You know, as, as long as you're moving and it's safe, you know, there you're, it's, it's good. It's all good. Um, but it's, it's always a practice. It's always a journey. You're never done. You're never at the end. Okay. I don't care how many years you're doing it. And if you think that you are, you know, everything about Pilates, you need to stop teaching it because you, you don't and you just don't, you just never will. It's always a journey. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's, I definitely appreciate that, um, in the craft and the mastery and it's, it's super rewarding. So Danielle, you mentioned talking about contemporary Pilates to classic Pilates, and then we have, you know, things like club Pilates going on nowadays. So like, talk to me about that, the differences and the, the nuance in that. So the difference between classical Pilates and club and, you know, more contemporary Pilates is classical Pilates pretty much follows a repertoire, right? So there are pretty much exercises that you do in order. Um, and while you can go a little bit out of the, the, the repertoire of it, you know, you basically stay within the frame of the, of that work. Um, you know, with, with more contemporary Pilates, it's a little bit more a la carte. Like you can kind of pick and choose exercises that go here or here or here or here, but that doesn't actually follow an, a set repertoire, like a classical, like a classical, um, rep, like a classical modality does. Uh, as far as club Pilates goes, club Pilates is a little bit more uh, group fitness based in the way of it's 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 a little bit more of a group fitness class. It incorporates things like the BOSU. It may, I think it uses the reformer as a little bit more of um, more like a piece of weight training equipment than it than it does as uh, a, an actual piece of apparatus that that works your core. Uh, you know, they're doing things like TRX and uh, using, you know, using pieces of Pilates equipment in a uh, in a more group fitness kind of area. Uh, uh, area is not the right word in a more group fitness type of style, I should say. Uh, in a classical Pilates studio, it should work like a training program. You should be progressing and getting stronger do, by doing the exercises repetitively. You know, and that's how you layer on in a classical setting. 
you know, whereas with, with Club Pilates, I, it, while, while it's great that people are moving, and I never want to discourage that, I just think that, um, you know, it, it, when you walk into a classical studio and you tell people, you tell the instructors that you're doing Club Pilates, they're just kind of, they, <laughs> they're kind of a little bit like, well, you know, that's not really what we're doing here. Um, you know, and as far as, uh, as classical Pilates instructors versus uh, somebody who comes to me from a club Pilates instructor, a club Pilates studio, I kind of look at it like this. I, I, and now we're not doctors, but I say, I use this kind of, uh, I use this as a, as a way of comparing. I say, we're all doctors, right? I'm a doctor. You're a, you're a Pilates instructor. You're a doctor. But in my studio, I'm doing cardiology. And you're telling me you're walking in here and you're like, I'm a doctor. I do pediatrics. And I go, great, you're a doctor, but we're doing cardiology here. And I can't teach you. I can't teach you the, the aspects of doing cardiology. I respect what you do, but that's not what we're doing here. So, you know, that's kind of the difference between uh, in a very in a very general way of the difference between uh, when, when a club Pilates instructor walks into my studio and wants a job, I just can't make it work because yeah. the, the, it's, or it's like, it's like if you're a martial arts instructor and somebody comes in and they're like, I do karate. And you're like, well, great, but this is jujitsu. You're like, I can't really make this translate over. So, um, again, it has its place. It's all good. Movement is good. It's just not what we do in classical work. So that's a pretty good explanation. <laughs> it was a long winded way explanation. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, it, it's definitely okay. I mean, you see a lot of that too. And just on the fitness side of it too, where you have, you know, specific training or you have F45, you have orange theory. Um, yeah. CrossFit, although CrossFit has its own, it's like its own sport. So that's a little different there, but um yeah, so definitely some good some good value. So, um, so what are some of the things that you see that you've seen, like a success like success stories in people? Um, so I sent you a study uh, that was done in Australia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it looked over many of the benefits of health and fitness modalities. So exercise, Pilates, yoga, walking on on people who have uh, what what for mental health or disorders, not so right, much super, right. super disordered to the fact of like, you know, you got crazy stuff going on, but like a, a good range of them, including anxiety, depression. Um, and what they found was everyone improved with some form of activity better than they would with uh, therapy, better than they would with pharmaceutical drugs, medication, uh, yeah. medication. and Pilates specifically, they pointed out people seem to have better with anxiety and stuff like that. So talk to me about some of that, like why you think that is and like some success stories that you've seen with that. Yeah. And I like, I really enjoyed that study. I, I really loved, I, I really loved reading it. You know, the, the, what I got out of it was, you know, the release of serotonin, right? So just moving, you know, your body naturally re releases serotonin, your body's meant to move, right? So it would make sense that when you're moving and serotonin is released, you're naturally going to feel better. You know, if, if, if you have some kind of anxiety or mental or mental issue going on, you know, and as somebody who doesn't have that, you know, I, I'm going to try and 
and put myself in somebody else's shoes with, you know, it would seem like you were kind of, you would feel out of control. You would feel like there are things that you can't control. Pilates puts you in control of things, in control of yourself, in control of your body, in control of your mind. Because as you know, as a Pilates instructor, you can't go into a Pilates studio and be thinking about 16 other things. You'll never do it right. You have to be in present and in the moment. And I think being in a Pilates studio where it's a small space and you don't get to check out and think about whatever you want kind of makes you feel a little bit more in control of things. Also, too, there's the breathing aspect of it, right? So the deep breathing of it all should calm you down and get you focused in on what you're doing and get you out of your head. I put that in quotations, get you out of your head for an hour. So, you know, that's where I think Pilates really benefits the and the calming aspect of it, you know, and yes, yoga is also calming too, but I also think you get a little bit more free reign in yoga because it's not so, um, it's not, not that it's not precise because it is, but with Pilates, it, it's more, I feel like it's a little more specific. Like you've really got to hone in on what you're doing or else, you know, your mind's going to wander. Because we're all, you know, overstimulated at this point in time. So, and Pilates, and that's why a lot of people can't do Pilates or they, they don't want to do Pilates or they don't succeed or feel like they succeed in Pilates because they can't focus, they can't regroup and they can't redirect themselves to, hey, this is like, you know, this is my hour. And that's something that I say to my clients. I'm like, look, this is our hour. You need to stay here with me. You know, I need you with me. Don't be thinking about what you're getting at Target in in 55 minutes Target. you know what I mean like <laughs> you're not shopping we're you know we're doing we're working out for an hour and then you can go and you can go and do whatever you need to do it, it, yeah for sure to the point that you were just talking it it kind of for me uh it kind of reminds me of that old movie major pain like the comedy it's like the kids movie he's the crazy drill instructor and like he's this crazy dude and they're showing him like when he was in in like war and like this guy breaks his or he like gets his leg cut off or something like that or some crazy injury um and he's like you want me to give you something to take your mind off that pain and he just breaks his finger it's kind of like that because once you start going right. once you start going it's like whatever you're thinking about it's just like oh shit my core like uh, i'm shaking and like i'm gonna die and like it just completely takes you away um from reality which is awesome yeah which i think you know is it's a nice it's a nice reprieve Right. It's a nice little reprieve of like feeling in control of yourself, even if it's just for a little bit, a, a little while. And, you know, hopefully you take that deep breathing and that feeling of calm and that feeling of 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 control and you bring it out into the world. Right. Along with the physical part of, of doing Pilates, of bringing it out into the world, of feeling a little bit more strong, of not getting injured when you rotate or bend over and pick something up. Uh, or you're carrying bags in from the grocery store, you know, all of the things that you do in, in regular life, Pilates should translate into that. It should translate into regular life. You know, you can work on the chair, like going, you know, going up front, Anthony is meant to simulate going up steps, you know, it's so it's a li little it's, bit harder than going up the stairs. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It totally is. But you know, it's, it's, it's a good, um, it's a good way to teach people to use their glutes and both of their legs as they pull, as they pull themselves up steps, you know, cause we all dump in, we all dump into our, our, 
our top leg, right? And I find a lot of people, oh, you know, my knees hurt. I have trouble going up steps. I'm like, well, you're probably not using both glutes. You're probably not using both legs to get you up. So let's work on that. So, you know, as, as far as, uh, as far as that goes, you know, Pilates is, is very, in my opinion, very good for somebody who, um, is struggling with any kind of, you know, mental or anxiety or mental health issues, you know, gets you kind of to redirect and focus. Yeah. And it's good that you mentioned outside of the studio, like life out there, uh, in the context of what we're talking about, uh, a lot of times if you are someone who has depression, anxiety, um, or you're sedentary and you know, your, your body doesn't move quite well, uh, there's a lot of things that like unduly are going to cause you some stress or anxiety. Like it's like, Hey, let's go for a hike. And you're like, I, I don't move very well, or I don't feel like I move well, or I can't do that. And like you, it kind of like limits you. And I have a particular belief um, that if you can influence the way a person interacts with the world by making them healthier, making them move better, making them more aware of what they are capable of doing and maybe fix some shortcomings as far as like deficiencies they have. It's going to change the way that they interact with the world around them. Mm-hmm. Right. And ultimately it's just going to lead to a, a, a better, a net positive outcome um, because they are more confident. They're not afraid of falling down the stairs. They're not afraid of, you know, being at the store for too long because they're going to be exhausted. And now they can be better with other people that they interact with. Yes. You see people who, you know, they gain confidence. And when they gain confidence, suddenly they're doing better at work. They're doing better in relationships. They're suddenly finding themselves, wow, this is like my, my winning era as you know, they like to call it now. Um, and it's a huge thing that, and so I'm glad that you touched on that. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I find, you know, as people that I train, you know, you're talking about people who, you know, are, are struggled at the grocery store and stuff like that. They're the most, as you know, looking at it from a selfish standpoint or maybe, you know, a little bit of ego, they're the people who, A, make you better, make you better Pilates instructors, better trainers, right? They're also the people who give, are the most gratifying people to train, right? Athletes, you know, I love training athletes. They're fun. You could do crazy stuff with them, but they're easy. You know, they're easy to train. You know, the people who really challenge you, the people who make you better are the people who come in who are injured, people who are sedentary, people who have issues, back pain, you know, ankle pain, you know, knee pain, hip pain. They're the people who really challenge you. They make you think and they make you be better because now you've, you're trying to there and they're the people who are really the, who are the most and again, this is probably self-serving, but they're the people who are the most grateful because they make the biggest strides. They make the biggest improvements in their life and in their lifestyle, right? They're the people who want to get on the ground with their grandkids. They're the people who want to, you know, walk to walk around the block and not have pain. They're the people who just want to do the basic everyday things. And they're the people who really make you make you a better trainer. If you have, if you have some, if you have a plan for somebody and they walk in and they're like, you know, Oh, I really, I slept bad. And you know, my neck hurts today and my back hurts today. And this, and then you got to redirect. You can't, maybe your plan's not going to work that day. And you have to kind of shift and, you know, and, you know, roll something off the top of your head. That's going to help this person hopefully feel better and not exacerbate what they've already got going on. So I'm always 
very the the people who are a little bit of a conundrum are really the people who I feel I enjoy working with the most and are the they're the people who will stay with you because you've made them feel better. They're the people who will be your clients, your people forever because they're they're just, perfect example. Yvonne, she's never leaving you or me. Yeah. I mean, she loves us, right? And it's because of how we make her feel. You know, we make her feel great. And, you know, she has come leaps and bounds from when she started with you and me. And, you know, I couldn't be more proud of her. You know, she is just, she, even if she can't, she feels like she can't, she's not, she can't do something. She'll still try. You could throw whatever you want at her. She'll try it. Yeah. So I love that. I love that. So, um, they're the people who make you better. Yeah. That you just dropped a gem. Um, so for those of you that listen that have, uh, clients or are trainers and you have clients, um, what you bring out of them by what you introduce them is like the most important thing. Right. Uh, and a lot of times it's, uh, and I mean, just to be super realistic here, if you're a trainer and you have a client, you're probably never going to turn them into a bodybuilder unless they're already a bodybuilder or unless they're a trainer or something like that. You're, you're taking the average person and you're introducing them to a way to make them make their life better. So they came to you because as one of my clients, when he puts water down for his dogs, it takes him like 10 minutes to stand up because his back was destroyed right now. That's an easy thing. That's nothing. Like We're not afraid to do that anymore. We can do that with ease. It doesn't set our day back. Um, I have another client who three months post rotator tear surgery slash shoulder reconstruction he's like I, my shoulder's always in pain and i can't move it and i'm like okay six months later we're benching back up to his 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 average weight and he doesn't even really have a shoulder um, some might say that you know my method was a little insane as far as getting him there but he has that confidence back okay i'm older i can st- now i can move like i was when a doctor told me that this wasn't going to happen or a therapist told me that yeah you might want to scale it back buddy um so the more you do things like that and bring back the parts of their youth, youth that they were convinced that they lost, the better the experience for you, the client, and just everyone involved is going to be long-term. And the more they trust you, the more they trust you. And then, and they're going to listen to what you have to say. They're going to if you know, they're going to, they'll, they'll listen to you and you know, they, they will do and say, you know, I can't tell you how many times people go, well, I, you know, I'm going to I go, we're going to do this. And they go, well, I trust you. And it's like, okay, and you know, that, that's, that is, means the world. I mean, to have somebody say, you know, I, I completely believe in your, in your abilities to make me better because you've, we've done A, B and C and I see the results. I feel the results. You know, I can, I can do these things that I used to do and, and it's not, it doesn't hurt. I mean, that's, that's why we all get into this business. We get into this business to help people and, you know, it, you get into it knowing that, you know, you're probably not going to be a fulfillionaire doing it. So uh, you can be successful, you know, but unless you're trained in celebrities, you know, you're, you're definitely not, you're definitely not doing this for the money. So. Thank you for sharing your insight with us, your years of experience with your Pilates craft. I am happy. I was so happy to come on and talk to you because I haven't seen you in forever, number one. But I will anytime, Aunt.
Yes, absolutely. Uh, so thank you for joining me. I've had a blast talking to you. We'll have to do this again sometime. I would love to.